0: Hey, family, it's good to see you. Good morning. Well, my name is Eddie. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a pleasure to be with you, especially if you're new, if you're uh, this is your first time or, or second or third or 13th and you're just flying kind of low. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you. Um, I hope that you've been encouraged. Uh, I, if I had to, to say anything else, I, I, would, I would encourage you, please... Take advantage of some of these opportunities that we have in our community. Um, this, this Toys for Tots thing, it's not just an opportunity for us to give toys. That's, that's great. But, but the hope is that, that we would be able to, as a community of faith, as a, as a church, bless this, this high school and for people to know that we're here to be a blessing. We really believe that Jesus told us two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And who doesn't want to get toys? I know that if I was receiving toys, I would feel loved. So we certainly want to give. Uh, uh, additionally, the the One Loudon uh, tree lighting, that's going to be a great opportunity for us to be in the community as well. So I would just encourage you, please consider spending some of your time, sacrificing some time that way and, and get to connect with the community and be a light in it, not just come to church, do the church thing and leave. Uh, we really want to be a blessing to the people around us and, and get to see more opportunities for people to exercise faith and and show that they are now part of the family of god it's a it's a, it's a huge privilege so uh, if you're whether or not you're new but especially if you're new we've been going through this series on men and women of the Bible and we've been looking through the Bible at these examples of of individuals individuals who who exemplify a, a life of faith, some of whom exemplify a life that is not a life of faith and all of whom point us back to this person Jesus Christ as the one who connects us to God our father who redeems us and through whom we can have real relationship with God. And so today is a good day, it's a fun day because we don't just talk about the people who talk about God, we don't just talk about the people who typify God, we don't just talk about the people who point to or refer back to Jesus, but we talk about Jesus. So I'm excited we are looking at, at Jesus' life in ministry. and ministry, and today we're going we're gonna to hone in on one specific aspect of his, his life and ministry. Now, if we were to consider Jesus as, as a person, there are a lot of ways that we could look at him, a lot of parts of the scriptures that we could pick, right? And probably most of them could refer back to Jesus in some relatively direct form, but we're going to look at a scripture that we've looked at before, talking about how Jesus is our high priest, And my hope is that we'd be encouraged to trust him fully as we boldly approach God. I would pray that you and I would walk away today trusting Jesus Christ more fully and being bold in our approach to God to receive the the favor, the grace, and the mercy that you and I need for life here and now. So if you will stand with me, family and friends, we're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 4, 4. It's in the New Testament, it's toward the end, it's after James, um, after Philemon, actually. We forget about that one. Oh, that was before James, I'm sorry. It's in your Bibles. <laughs> Y'all are just looking at it on your app anyways, or on the screen. It's, it's right there. Anyways, it's uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We're going to read it together out loud. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we, that we can come to you That we don't need uh, an earthly intermediate. That we don't have someone standing in our place to hear our prayers and then deliver them to you. But we can come boldly to, as your word says, the throne of grace. That we can approach you not just as a transcendent uh, God, but as our Father. That we can come to you and and speak to you. And God, we pray that, that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to trust in Jesus, your son, the son of God, the apostle of our faith, and our high priest. God, I thank you that Jesus has passed through the heavens and that, that he's given us access to you. Not just in the holy of holies and the tabernacle like in the Old Testament, but straight to you. And God, I thank you that, that he intercedes for us even now. I pray that by your spirit, we would hear your words and be transformed in a moment, that we would be changed, sanctified, made more holy, made more mature in the hearing and application of your word. Would you help us right now, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Thank you for reading, family. If you're new, we, we read the scriptures out loud because that's one of the most important things we can do as a a body of faith is to speak and hear the word of God. And and certainly the application of the Word of God, what I'm trying to do is also important, but it, it's it's only as important as it helps us to understand and receive what the Word of God says. So thank you for, for being a part of that. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jesus is many things to us. He's he's our Savior, our Redeemer, our King, <coughs> He's a prophet But in Hebrews chapter 4, we see that that the the author of of Hebrews is trying to to get at this facet of his ministry, this idea of being a, a high priest. And he says, Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest. Now, in the Old Testament, you had this whole sacrificial system, right? There was this system that God put in place as a way of one delaying, Wrath, cause, because the, the reality was sin came into the world through disobedience, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed and sin entered into the world and the, the payment, the wage for sin is death. And so in order to bring restoration, God began this process of redemption that began in these pictures. In, in Genesis chapter three, he kills some animals and he covers the nakedness of, of Adam and Eve. But later on, he, God institutes some other um, <coughs> systems by which the people of God would see that they have a need for redemption, that redemption comes only through the shedding of blood, and that they needed to be accountable to God. And so we see in Leviticus chapter 16, one of our favorite books of the Bible, I'm sure um, most of you haven't memorized. Uh, I'm being facetious because it's one of those books that, that can be a little intimidating if you don't have some, some context but in, in Leviticus 16, we see that the Jewish people have this, the, the Israelites have this one day every year called the Day of Atonement. And on this day, the, there, not just the priests, there was the priests who, who did the various sacrifices and, and kind of stood in between God and, and the people, but there was the high priest, one individual who kind of represented in a day uh, the people of God before God and they, they had this thing called the tabernacle, you know, we meet in a meeting, they had this tent that had various areas into which people could come. There was one area that was allowed for common people, uh, there was one area outside the temple for, for individuals who are maybe uh, uh, sojourners or aliens or, or foreigners, all the same thing, and, and there were areas that the individuals could go to, the to the, the the priest could go to and then there's a place called the holy of holies where there was a curtain separating the holy of holies and and uh, and and only the high priest could go in there once a year and Jesus in in or God in chapter 16 God speaks to Moses and he talks about this this holy of holies he says tell Aaron your brother not to come any time into the holy place in, inside the veil before the mercy seat for I will appear In the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron should come into the holy place. Now, Aaron was the high priest in the Old Testament. And he goes on to describe the fact that Aaron has to sacrifice a a sin offering for himself because he is a sinner himself and he needs to continue and he will make sacrifice for the people. He'll offer a bull sacrifice um, and and do all these other things. And then he will take two, two goats, one goat. He would take and he would pray over the goat. This is, this sounds kind of weird. Just roll with me. Um, but this is something that they would do. They, he would pray over the goat and he would confess the sins of the people and then he would, shoo, they would shoo that goat out of the camp. And the picture that was being given was the picture of that goat embodying the sins of the people and being taken out. The, the sins of the people being taken away. And the other goat the blood was shed and, and it was used in the ritual and that was the goat that, that died. So we had, if you're keeping track, the theological idea of expiation, sin being taken away, and propitiation, the, the wrath of God being satisfied by the death of this other animal. And this was all being performed by this high priest. And every year the people would come to this day of atonement and they'd get a picture of God needing his perfect and righteous anger be, to be assuaged, to be swallowed up by the death of this goat and then the, the, the sins of the people to be taken away by this other goat. Now, we find out in the New Testament that this was, this was a picture. This was, this was educational. This was not something that actually accomplished this purpose. God says in, in the New Testament that these things were done and it allowed God to hold off his wrath until a later time. And then we see Jesus come into the place and he is the great high priest, and we also find out that he is also the sacrifice. But Jesus is our high priest. He, he functions as the high priest, and, and in chapter five of, of Hebrews, if we flip back to the New, New Testament, it says this. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices. So the high priest was intended to act on behalf of People, you and I, the high priest res- represented us before God. And in so doing, he would offer sacrifices and he would cleanse the people. But Hebrews calls Jesus not just a high priest, but he calls him a great high priest. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the son of God. You see, the, the high priest would pass through the veil that separated the the less holy place from the holy of holies and he would walk into this place where the presence of God was was palpable and and he had had accoutrement on his body, these bells, so that if for some reason he was not clean, if he he had not done the rituals as he was told, he would be struck down dead and they'd have to drag him out. So, I mean, it's serious business. But even then, He wasn't really before God. He was before the presence of God on earth. But the difference between the high priest and our great high priest is that Jesus has not just gone into the temple. He's not just gone into the tabernacle. He has gone, and what does it say? He has passed through the heavens. He's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus didn't, he didn't follow the the example and in fact, when he dies on the cross, it says in one of the Gospels that, that the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of it was torn. And, and it was torn from the top down. Not, not one of the, the, the priests saying, oh, you know, we're gonna break this because we're upset. No, God symbolically tears it apart, saying the separation has been broken because Jesus, the, God, the Son of God, has entered and gone through the Holy of Holies. We have a great high priest. And he says, since we have a great high priest, he says, let's hold on to our confession. Now, a confession is a short statement that encapsulates our belief in truth. Maybe you've come from a liturgical background, Presbyterian or Episcopalian, and you had to memorize some confessions and some questions and I, I don't know what your relationship to that is. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. But, but the reality is this idea of a confession is something that, that has existed since the beginning of the church, really before then. But, but this confession was this encapsulation. We believe this about God. We believe that God is this, has done this. And we don't have the exact confession that the author of, of Hebrews is talking about, he, but he points to it and he says, let us hold on to our confession. And he, and he refers to Jesus, the Son of God. We can deduce parts of this confession that that they understood Jesus not just to be a man, not just to be a prophet, but to be what? The son of God. Jesus is the son of God. And in chapter three, he makes another reference to the confession. Therefore, holy brothers, verse one says, you who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, think about Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful, to him who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in all, all of God's house. So we have this idea of, of a confession that this is what we believe. We believe in God sending his son, Jesus, that Jesus is the son of God. He's not just, he's not just a, a, a messenger, although he is a messenger, right? The, the word apostle refers to his, his being the messenger, the word of God, the one on whom the church is built, the, the testimony of God. He's the son of God. And he is our high priest. <clears throat> What's your confession today? What is your confession? When you think about your own soul, your own beliefs, what, what, what is your confession? And, and to push it a little bit further, what is your life's confession? Not just your words, but what is your, wi- what is your wife? Your wife probably is part of your life's confession. Um, ask your wife what your life's confession is. She will tell you. Um... <laughs> Uh, what is your confession? Right? Who is Jesus to you? Is he son of God or is he just a man, a philosopher, one of many religious leaders? Is he God's most of the time except when you're you know, in this situation and you know, I don't really want to think about God right now. Jesus, you're, just, you're a great guy. I'll come back to you later. What is your confession? Who's the apostle of your life? Who's the one who has an authoritative message for your life? Whose authoritative message do you live by? Where does the buck stop? Does the buck buck stop with you? Does the buck stop with um, your spouse? Does the buck stop with uh, your company? Who who determines what what happens in your life? Who's authoritative? And then who's your high priest? Who gives you access to God? By whom do you try to access God? Do you try to access God by by your own personal good deeds? Are you you're working as your own high priest god? You know, I'm sacrificing. I'm doing these things. I'm going to church. I'm I'm giving money. You need to give me access because I have done these things. God, you need to give me access because I walked that lady across the street and I had to go to work. God, you need to give me access because I gave money to that church and I don't even, I don't even know if I believe in God. You need to give me access because I I uh I I didn't do as badly as my, that guy. Who grants you access? What is your confession? Jesus is able to be the great high priest of our confession because he's like us. He, he needs to be the great high priest of our confession because he's the son of God. I'm not the son of God. I'm not divine. I'm sinful and I stand in a, in a pretty big problem apart from Christ. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, and unfortunately, I've sinned a few times. I don't know about you, but I'm not in a good position apart from God. I need someone who is not just good, but is perfect. And thankfully, Jesus is the Son of God. Not only is he Son of God, he is also like us. Look at verse 15 with me. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted or tested as we have yet without sin. You see, Jesus didn't just stay in heaven. He existed in heaven. God exists, Father, Son, Holy Spirit eternally. But he didn't just stay there and and, and let us try and figure this out. And the reality is, had he done that, there would have been no one who could have stood in our place because all of the sinful people in the world, we produce more sinful people. If you're a parent, you know that. (laughs) Oh, my little baby is perfect. No, they're not perfect. What are you doing, you know? Put that down. We love our kids, but but they they, they come by their sinfulness pretty honestly. We needed someone who was perfect, but we also needed someone who was human. Someone who could represent us. You know, the, the inter- we, we just had November 5th, all, we, we were voting for um, uh, our various government officials. And the idea behind many of them is that they would represent us and our needs and our values in the government. And, and we do the best. But the reality is, whatever your, your disposition towards government, we always get represented Partially. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Sometimes we're cool with it. We're, we're excited for the level of representation we have. Sometimes we're not happy about the level of representation we have. When it comes to God, God was able to create in Christ, through Christ, a perfect representation. He represents us perfectly. Paul reflects on it when he, when he writes to the Philippians in chapter 2. He says, do nothing out of rivalry in this verse three or conceit, but in, in humility count others more significant than yourself and let each of you not look only to his own interests but look also to the interests of others. And he goes and says, have this mind among you which is yours in Christ, who, looking at Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God became man. And we're gonna start celebrating that during the Christmas season, but God came down. He didn't just watch from heaven, transcendent and separate. We, don't, we aren't deists. We don't think that God spun creation into existence and then just kind of stepped back and said, let's see how this clock runs out. No, he, he comes and he enters into our reality through Jesus Christ takes on human form, experiences our experiences, suffers our sufferings, experiences our tests and trials and temptations, yet without sin. He's been tested and tempted like us. In chapter two of Hebrews, it says it this way. Because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you approach God with your junk and you kind of put it in your pockets or behind your back or like under a table when you, and, and clean up yourself and holy father lord god thank you jesus lord and try to try to present an image of god or present an image to god of yourself that's more cleaned up than you are because the reality is god knows jesus was a human and he did all the things that humans did apart from sin he knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to be, be tempted to snap at someone because you haven't had lunch. He knows what it is to be tempted to get angry because someone is being annoying. He knows what it is to be brokenhearted. You know, you think about it, when you think it, about it that way, it's kind of funny for us to go to God and say, okay, let me put my tie on before God. God's like, really? First of all, I saw you in the bathroom. I saw you when you didn't have the tie on. You, I don't just open my eyes when you start praying. It's not a phone call. You know, oh, who's, hey, how's it going, Eddie? Oh, okay. You sound like you're dressed up and clean. Are you dressed up and clean? Good, otherwise I wouldn't have picked up the phone. That's not, we have a great high priest who is like us. I hope that encourages you to be honest with God if that doesn't encourage you go and read psalms and realize how honest David is sometimes you're like that's a little too honest David (laughs) really you're getting messy I'm so the the cords are death I mean he gets really almost dramatically honest you know I think that David would have been a theater kid That comes from a theater kid, okay? So don't take that personally. (laughs) He's honest. And we can be honest because Jesus is like us. But unlike us, he's a perfect representation. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's the good news. That's the good news. The good news is that there is one who is like us who did not sin and one who's sacrificed because he's the son of God as as verse 14 says. His sacrifice is valuable and sufficient for all of us who profess faith. Because of this, we can approach God and receive mercy. Look at verse 16 with me. Let us then... He says, in light of this fact, right then, therefore, looking back at what we just saw, let us then, dr- with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in times of need. Because Jesus is a great priest, he's, he's, he's gone to heaven, passed through the heavens, and he gives us access. Through him we have access to the Father. We don't, have to, we don't have to mail a letter. We don't have to talk to a priest. We don't have to call a phone call and, or a phone number and, and, and have someone connect us. We can go directly to God. We don't just have access to a temple or a tabern- tabernacle. We don't have to go to a, you know, if you go to this specific place at this specific time, you might experience the presence of God. You might connect with the God of the universe. You no, know, because of Jesus Christ, you can at any point right now, later on, Earlier in the day, later in the day, in the middle of the night, you can stop and say, God, Father, Daddy, that's what's different about us. That's what's different about what Jesus accomplished. He didn't just say, okay, now you can do these things and maybe get to God. He says, no, you're in the room. Listen to what what Paul says in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, one of the first things he wants to tell the Ephesian church. If I can get there. Blessed blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenly places. The reality is, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you trust Jesus Christ to be the one who makes you right before God, the one who took your sin and the punishment in your place, in that moment, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, you are in this kind of mystical way Present with God the Father. Right now, if you trust in Jesus, you are present with the Father. Because we are in Jesus Christ. There's this kind of, it's called a, a union. This, this mystical union that we have with Jesus Christ. Where, where I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That Christ lives and I live in Christ. And if I am in Christ, I am in heaven. And I've received every blessing in the heavenly places. Now, that's hard to think about when you're like, well, I'm wearing corduroy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is that what you do in heaven? Right? I, we, still, there, we still have our earthly bodies. We still here are here on earth. But, but by the Holy Spirit and by faith, we are present with God. Do you need grace today? Do you need mercy? Do you need mercy? If you don't know if you need mercy, just think about your last week and were are there any moments where you, you were just like, Yah Or oh. Or huh. <laughs> you need mercy, right? I think I had all of those probably today. <laughs> when you think about your friends, your family, your, your job, are there moments where you say, I, ne- I need something here that I don't have. I don't have it in my pocket. It's not in my car. It's not somewhere that I left. I need something that I don't have. What's funny is that we think about these things, and, and even as Christians, sometimes we're like, I need to go to God. I need to go to the Father. He's, you know, I, We could go today. You could do this today. You could go and say, I'm going to go to the, the throne of grace. And you go and you, you pray, God, would you take me to the throne of grace? Would you bring me mercy? Would you, would you help me? Would you give me these things? You know, the funny thing about being a parent is there, you learn some things about just the nature of children and children are awesome and the cool thing is you know what they want you know what they don't do they don't father there's some things that I'd like to talk about i would like for you to consider the possibility of me obtaining noise usually it's it's can i have this or can i drink that But that is what we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you need mercy, if you need grace, go get it. Amen. If you need grace for your life, go get it. Don't go and say, God, will you please? Can I, I have? No, say, give me some grace, God. I need grace. And what that isn't, that isn't presumptuous. That's not prideful. That's going to God for what he promises to give. I'm a dad. If my kids come for donuts, I'm going to give them donuts. If my kids come for water, I'll give them that too, but I'm going to give them some donuts. Water is necessary. Donuts are grace. Your daddy wants you to come to him and just get it. Take a bite and then ask. Get his grace. I'm not saying go get his Ferrari, go get his house that you want, go get his, uh, uh, Missing all the consequences of your poor choices. That doesn't always happen. But I will tell you, if you ask for grace, if you ask for mercy, just go and get it. What this looks like is that you ought to have an expectation that, oh my goodness, this is a difficult situation. God, where's the grace? Oh my goodness, I'm so angry and upset. Where's the grace? God, where's the grace? Give me the grace. Yeah. Not, God, I hope that you would consider giving me grace in this difficult situation. Yeah. Jesus died. Jesus died. So that you wouldn't tiptoe around and ask for grace. He died so that you'd get the grace. Yeah. Family, we have a great, great, great high priest. We don't just have a, an earthly philosopher teacher who is moral and wise. We have someone who crushed death, crushed sin, and stands in heaven interceding on our behalf. When I mess up, he's saying, well, God, uh, I look at my sacrifice. And, and when I try to pray and I pray poorly, he says, this is what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> we have a great high priest. Jesus is many things to us, but he is in heaven interceding on our behalf today. And when you need to get grace, you go to the father because Jesus is right there saying, I, I, I've let him in. I've let her in. Since Jesus has given us access, trust him and draw near to God. Do you need grace today? Do you need mercy today? Receive it.